Hey everyone, this is Mike DeBliss. The topic of this podcast is trademark lessons learned from a red hen. I know it sounds like a crazy title, but it actually deals with the importance of taking action against a third party who uses your trademark and um, it offers a valuable lesson in that respect. Um, as many of you are aware, last weekend, uh, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders posted a tweet that created a complete firestorm. Um, she said, quote, last night I was told by the owner of Red Hen in Lexington, Virginia to leave because I work for um, at POTUS and I politely left. Her actions say far more about her than about me. I always do my best to treat people, including those I disagree with, respectfully and will continue to do so." End quote. So that was um, Sarah Huckabee's tweet. Now, many were outraged by this, um, by the treatment that Ms. Huckabee received at the Red Hen in Lexington, and they basically perceived it as an unjustified act of exclusion because the owner of the Red Hen asked her to leave and wouldn't let her um, dine at their restaurant. And so what these, um, what these people did was they contacted the Red Hen restaurant um, to give the Red Hen a piece of their mind. Now this took the form of harassing calls, fake orders, death threats, and um, you know, expressions of uh, discontent and displeasure. Unfortunately, these critics did not always contact the right red hen. And this is how this whole mess started. It appears as though there is more than just one red hen. There is the red hen in Lexington, Virginia that had asked Miss Huckabee to leave. And then there is the red hen in uh, Swedesboro, New Jersey, um, right here in good old New Jersey. Um, and it's called the Red Hen Restaurant. Now, even though uh, the Red Hen in Swedesboro, New Jersey is located hundreds of miles away from Lexington, Virginia, uh, complaints started pouring into the New Jersey restaurant as well. Um, these angry comments were delivered by phone, by Yelp, and on the restaurant's Facebook page. Um, it caused such anguish that in an act of desperation, the New Jersey restaurant posted a message on Facebook to set the record straight that they are not the same red hen and not connected to the red hen in Lexington, Virginia that asked Miss Huckabee to leave. And so this was the message that the red hen restaurant in New Jersey posted on their Facebook page. Quote, the Red Hen in Swedesboro, New Jersey is not affiliated with the Red Hen in Virginia. We are an independent family-owned business who happens to share the same name. Kindly check your facts before you erroneously defame an innocent business on Facebook in an attempt to destroy their business where they welcome all, irrespective of their race, religion, views, or opinions. Wishing all a safe and happy weekend. End quote. That was the message that the Red Hen posted on their Facebook page. Now, 
One might think that this would end the matter once and for all, but it didn't. Um, apparently, um, the internet users don't always read the fine print, and the angry posts continued to pour in, and they poured in in droves. Uh, Elizabeth Pope, the operating manager of the Red Hen in Swedesboro, New Jersey, um, told NewJersey.com, quote, people have no idea. They dropped our restaurant's rating from a 4.8 star to 3 point something. People need to check the facts and do research before they make comments and try to ruin a small business, end quote. So how could this whole thing have been avoided in the first place? And what are some takeaways that um, can be taken from this uh, unhappy and sad episode in the life of the redhead in New Jersey. Be on the lookout for unauthorized uses of your trademark and waste no time in getting them taken down. That's the most, that's by far the most important takeaway from this um, episode. Um, whenever you see an unauthorized use of your trademark, um, as even if it even if it has a slight difference from your trademark, to the extent that it, um, you know, it 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 is similar and it, um, you know, walks like your trademark, uh, quacks like your trademark, and swims like your your trademark, you want to get on it right away and waste no time in getting it taken down. If someone has the same or a stunningly similar trade name as you and you ignore it, then you run the risk of the public believing, albeit mistakenly, that you're affiliated with them or responsible for their actions or that you endorse their actions. And um, as you can tell here, the negative publicity that surrounded this episode and that um, and that uh, was heaped upon the Red Hen restaurant in New Jersey caused ripple effects that dropped their rating from 4.8 stars to 3 point something and that um, will likely, and that these uh, ripple effects uh, will likely <coughs> cause, them, um, cause them loss of business as well as um, some potential um, loss of goodwill um, into the um, future. Uh, hopefully uh, for the, for the uh, redhead in New Jersey, um, the, they'll be able to set the record straight and we'll be able to clear up the confusion, but uh, there will always remain an, um, you know, an, uh, there will always remain a segment of people that, um, that don't get the message and um, believe that uh, they were affiliated with the Lexington, Virginia um, Red Hen. So <clears throat> I realized that it, you know, that this idea of, um, you know, being on the lookout and being vigilant for unauthorized uses of your trademark and wasting no time in getting them taken down um, is uh, very elementary and seems, um, it seems easy but it is not as simple as it might seem. Um, and so I'm in no way trying to suggest that the takedown process is um, one that is uh, quick and efficient, 
Um, these things do take time and your options will depend on whether you are the senior or junior user as well as the geographic scope of your rights. What I've done is I've uh, basically outlined three uh, practical and sound tips that you can immediately put to use in an effort to avoid something like this happening to your company. Uh, the first tip is to pick an original and unique mark. Um, and by mark, I'm talking about um, name for your company. Uh, making up a word um, or combining an unexpected, um, you know, unexpected words that uh, that one would least expect to uh, be strung together is uh, highly recommended. Um, that helps to differentiate you. Um, and um, oh, and is a is a and might even provide um, a safe bet that there aren't others out there uh, with that same uh, with that same name. Of course, uh, what you want to always do is uh, do a trademark search, or at the very least, uh, spend a couple minutes on Google um, looking into the name to make sure that no one else is using it. I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, a uh, email, um, an email company by the name of ConvertKit, that um, is similar to Constant Contact and Mailchimp, they changed their name from ConvertKit to Seva, spelled S is in Sam, E is in Edward, V is in Victor, A is in Apple, and um, it's a four-letter word, which means that it is. Um, heavily favored by Google and uh, will likely gain very good uh, search results. Um, but the company actually um, picked that name because it means selfless service and the owner of the company in a discussion on a popular podcast, the Smart Passive Income podcast, was quick to say that he was looking for a name that was both unique and original and one that spoke to their mission as a company. Um, he also um, was quick to note, and I believe that the founder's name and the CEO of the company is a, is a Nathan, uh, Nathan Berry. Nathan was also quick to note that um, most of the names that the company was considering had already been taken, and um, it was very difficult to come upon an original name. And so, um, you know, they began to expand their horizons and look into names that were not as well known as some of the more traditional names. And um, lo and behold, they came upon Seva. Um, and uh, doing, upon doing a trademark search, learned that it was available and that there were no other companies that had that same name. So um, again, uh, this idea of making up a crazy word or um, combining um, words and stringing words together that um, you know one would never expect to be strung together in perhaps a twist of irony um, is certainly suggested. Um, but what's in the name, you know? And um, here, the company uh, ConvertKit found that uh, this. Uh, very unusual and uh, perhaps even bizarre name encapsulated their mission statement. 
Um, so by thinking outside of the box, um, you know, you might stumble upon a name that, you know, just really um, embodies your mission as a company and that is so original and unique that um, it's, uh, it's free game and it's uh, available. This is the single most important thing you can do to protect yourself against the possibility that another party will misappropriate the same mark and damage your goodwill and reputation. Uh, and so it goes without saying, before you uh, adopt the mark, um, you know, or you start pumping your fists in the air when you come up with the perfect name, do the trademark search. Do your due diligence. Um, or at least spend a couple minutes on Google to make sure no one else is using it. Second, apply for a federal registration. If you are the seller of goods or services, um, you can, um, if you are the seller of goods or services um, to areas outside of your geographic footprint, meaning outside of the state, in which you primarily do business, you can apply for a federal trademark registration. And that'll give you nationwide priority beginning on the date of the application. That's critical to know. From the date of the application, um, you, are, um, you are basically um, given nationwide priority. Although you may not be able to immediately enforce your trademark rights against a uh, Johnny-come-lately in a remote geographic region, that party nonetheless must cease using its mark when you're ready to enter that market with your registered mark. So there's really no downside and just a tremendous amount of gain that comes from uh, applying for a federal trademark registration um, by virtue of the nationwide priority that you get. And again, um, although you won't be able to immediately enforce your trademark rights against uh, um, a Johnny-come-lately in a remote geographic region, that party must still end using its mark when you're ready to enter that market with your registered mark. And so, um, you know, mailing the party a demand letter uh, usually does the trick without even having to take further steps. Uh, the third tip that I have is know when you can and when you can't enforce your rights. As elementary as this might sound, you can't enforce your rights against a party who started using the trademark before your own priority date. And that's where the tragedy lies in all of this, where um, individuals who actually developed um, the, uh, you know, the mark um, first uh, in time um, waited too long before getting it trademarked. And between the time the, um, the company uh, developed the trademark and the time they applied for the trademark, a third party comes along and um, misappropriates it or um, infringes upon it. But because that third party takes the initiative to get it registered, um, they then become uh, legally uh, binded to that mark. And so that's the tragedy in all of this. That's not to say that 
the um, that the company that um, founded it and that um, and that used it first uh, has no rights, but um, at the end of the day, they are sitting in a uh, vulnerable position uh, because they sat on their um, they sat on their hands and they didn't um, you know get their trademark registered uh, before the um, before the black hatter did. So you don't want that to happen to you. And again, that's uh, the tragedy that gets played out time and time again in the uh, trademark arena. Uh, that's why it's essential to select a unique mark in the first place. Uh, and in enforcing against junior users, you need to consider whether your mark is protectable, whether there's um, any likelihood of confusion, and whether your rights extend into that geographic area. Uh, here, federal registration is a powerful tool. Um, you know, it's interesting when it comes to uh, trademarks and names for companies as they, um, as they exist in different areas of commerce. So, for example, uh, Amazon.com um, obviously um, has the trademark in the merchandise um, and uh, e-commerce uh, segment of the economy. But who's to say that a company that specializes in, um, in, river, uh, in river tours on the Amazon can't request a trademark for Amazon river tours, um, you know, in that part of the world. Um, you know, it's a different market, it's a different industry, it's not in any way, shape, or form competing with an e-commerce website, and it's not in the same business of selling uh, products and merchandise as Amazon.com is. Um, so just because, um, you know, there might be another business out there that is seeking to use the name of a pre-existing um, pre-existing uh, pre-existing uh, logo or pre-existing uh, company name that doesn't mean that they're outright barred from using it um, there are factors that other factors that are considered by um, the copyright and uh, trademark office and again um, you know the industry that you're in the geographic area that you're in all of those uh, come into play. So I, I leave you with this. As unlikely as it might be that you'll become the next red hen, why take the gamble in the first place? Um, take some of these tips to heart um, and remember that the more original and uh, the more unexpected um, the name is, uh, the less likely it is that there's that there will be a company out there with that name and the easier it's going to be to enforce a, your trademark against uh, subsequent uh, black hatters or uh, third parties that come along and uh, take it from you. Um, because if it's so original and so authentic, such as the name Seva, that ConvertKit recently uh, change its name to, 
um, it's going to be hard for the third party to um, make its case that um, it was somehow first in time, um, you know, or that uh, it didn't, um, you know, or that it has a valid defense to misappropriating that name. Um, and so these are all ways of protecting yourself without um, waiting until that um, dire moment where you're online and you um, discover a um, you discover your trademark um, emblazoned on another website. Um, that's when um, it's you know that's when it's off. That's when it's too late to uh, to do any of these um, uh, to do any one of these forward-looking things uh, and preventive measures. Um, at that point in time, um, you're dealing with uh, likely hiring a lawyer and uh, submitting, uh, you know, a flurry of letters to, in the hopes that the um, infringing party will remove um, the uh, the trademark. But um, again, there's no guarantee of that happening, and uh, sometimes these matters, uh, you know, result in litigation, which can be very costly for the individual who had their trademark misappropriated and uh, infringed upon. So as a way to avert uh, this from all happening, these preventive measures um, are essential and um, you know, require very little outpouring of time and money. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a holler. Um, you can email me at mjdebliss at deblisslaw.com. I'm always willing to uh, chat with um, anybody who has questions about trademarks and uh, getting their um, trademark registered.